0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam, and we are in the subject of uh, our, our identity and our authority in Christ. And uh, yesterday we talked about God's original plan when he created man. And uh, then we, we talked about the fall of man and about God's uh, how Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden and how already from that point, God began to promise, he began to speak about a redeemer who would come and redeem mankind, and then I ended by saying that for four thousand years, from Adam to Christ, how prophet after prophet after prophet pointed to Jesus and they prophesied about the redeemer who would come, and you know even Joseph when he was in his. Uh, worst situation when he was sick, had lost everything. And his friends, they, you know, they told him all kinds of, they gave him all kinds of bad advice. And this is what he said. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall walk on this earth in the latter day. So even somebody like Job, in his bed of affliction, he saw a vision of Jesus and he prophesied, I know that my Redeemer lives. He is alive. And one day in the latter day, he's going to walk on this earth. Wow, this is I love this kind of stuff. This is powerful. So then I read the scripture from uh, Micah, uh, and now I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 9 6. I'm giving you some examples of some of the uh, more prominent, more well known words spoken by the prophet uh, about the Redeemer who would come and who would actually take back from Satan. What Satan had acquired from Adam, and uh, so Isaiah 9 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So, and then, so Psalm 22 actually. It's a very graphic description of the crucifixion of Jesus. What happened when the Lord Jesus was upon the cross? So you read that. Uh, uh, you you read that in Psalm 22, a quite clear and graphic des- uh, description of Jesus suffering and hanging upon the cross. And then, of course, we have Isaiah 53. It talks about you know he would be born out of uh, uh, you know like uh, like a root out of a dry ground and there was no beauty and comeliness that we should desire him. And then he talks about what happened upon the cross and says that, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we have been healed. I mean, very, very clear cut scriptures that Actually can only be applied to Jesus and to nobody else really if you think of it of other figures in history nobody nobody can uh, Can assign the scriptures to any other person other than the Lord Jesus Christ So you had all these prophets they prophesied to, to Jesus the Messiah the Savior the deliverer who would come and uh, then the last prophet of the Old Covenant before Jesus was John the Baptist. Now, you don't think of John the Baptist that way. You think of John the Baptist as the forerunner of Jesus. But yes, he was the last prophet to prophesy under the Old Covenant. And um, if you... There are several things about John the Baptist. The first thing was Jesus said that uh, uh, you know that uh, that out of those who are born of woman there is nobody as great as John the Baptist so uh, but he says but the least of the kingdom is greater than he but so if you look at the old covenant including Abraham including Isaac and Jacob including Bo- and Moses John the Baptist was greater than all of them he was the greatest man in the old covenant so he came and he came preaching preaching uh, uh, repentance and the interesting thing was that he didn't preach in towns where the people were. He preached in the desert. He went out to the wilderness and he preached and he dressed in, 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 in camel skins and he ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, he was, uh, he was uh, his appearance, his diet, everything about him was unconventional he didn't fit into the com- uh, into the conventional uh, conventional um, picture of a preacher in those days but everything about him was different and he preached the uh, the baptism of repentance so when he was preaching um, they they asked him they said hey are you the christ you know, people were curious, are you the Christ? Because everybody was waiting for the Messiah. And he said, no, I'm not the Christ, which he was right. He was correct. And he said, I'm not the Christ. He said, so are you Elijah? And he said, no, but actually he was because Luke 1 verse 17, it says that John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah—that's what it says. So, John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So, so he was in a sense—he was uh, Elijah. He was the manifestation of Elijah. So, are you the Christ? No, in that he was right. Are you Elijah? He said no. In that he was wrong because he did come in the, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he said, "Are you the prophet?" He said no, and there he was wrong. He was the prophet that was foretold in the old covenant would come and he says so who are you then so he says i'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord every uh, every uh, uh, every valley shall be raised up every mountain shall be uh, uh, shall be brought down so it's interesting about john the baptist that here's the man who's the greatest man in the old covenant and uh, but he didn't seem to have an understanding about what his office was that he was actually you know he came in the spirit of and, and the power of Elijah and he didn't understand that he was the actually the prophet the or that the that the old testament proph, uh, prophesied about so you can say that John the Baptist didn't have a very clear understanding of he of who he was but his greatness was in the fact that he understood who he was with relation to Jesus so He says, I'm not Elijah, I'm not the prophet, but this is who I am. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So he was a forerunner of Jesus and he knew that he was the forerunner of Jesus and he knew who he was in relation to Christ. And that is very crucial, especially these days. You know, people have titles like, I'm an apostle, I'm the prophet, I'm a prophet and I'm an apostle, but they really don't know who Jesus is. John the Baptist was opposite. He didn't know what his own office was, but he knew who Jesus was and that he was a forerunner of Jesus. And that's the most important thing, that we understand our place with relation to Jesus. And then uh, when Jesus came along, uh, You know, he pointed to him and the first thing he said was, he is the son of God. John the Baptist was the first one who said, openly said that he is the son of God. Then the second thing, it says, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So he was also the first one to proclaim openly, to openly proclaim that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb who would die to take away the sins of the world upon himself. And this is because of the spirit of God upon him. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. In fact, John was the first man to be baptized with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Because if you remember, his mother, Elizabeth, was six months pregnant with him. And she was in her belly when uh, when Mary, who was newly pregnant, came to see John's mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and John, the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, they were first cousins. So she came to see her cousin, Elizabeth. And and Mary uh, told Elizabeth uh, about her story, how the how the angel of the Lord had appeared to her, her and told her that you shall have a child and his name shall be Jesus. And John the Baptist, the moment he heard that, he somersaulted in his mother's womb. He, he, he leapt in his mother's womb and he was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Ghost when he heard about Jesus. And so that was the roots of his ministry. The Holy Ghost came on him when he... He, uh, you know, he heard of Jesus, and his whole ministry was centered around Jesus. And so he said, He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then he says, The third thing he said about Jesus Jesus is the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so then, after he baptized Jesus, and the ministry of Jesus was on its ascendancy because before Jesus was preaching, John the Baptist's ministry was big and famous and now Jesus is becoming more famous than him. And they came to his, some of his disciples came to him and said, John, uh, the man you baptized, Jesus, his ministry is becoming bigger than yours and everybody is flocking to him. And John the Baptist he said, you know what? He says, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom comes, the friend of the bridegroom steps aside. He means he was like the best man. So when, you know, the best man stands there, but when the bridegroom comes in, the best man steps aside. And then he said, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. Hallelujah. And maybe all be like that, that we may look at our ministries as, I am called, I don't know about everything about myself, but I do know this, that I'm called to lift up Jesus Christ, to present him to the people, to introduce Jesus Christ to people and people to Jesus Christ. And that because he is the savior, I'm just the best man at the wedding. I will step aside and he must increase and, I'm, and, and I must decrease. So that was the, uh, that was the last Uh, one who came before Jesus actually came into this world. Hallelujah. So now we see uh, Jesus coming into the world. Now, uh, Jesus coming into the world, this is, I want to give you some background facts. And I want to start by reading a scripture to you. This is very uh, important because uh, uh, the main thing about the coming of Jesus into the world is the story of the Virgin Birth, and this is very, very important, the story of the Virgin Birth. And to understand this, you would have to understand uh, um, uh, the scripture, Leviticus 17.11. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So I want to... Uh, focus on the first sentence in this verse for the life of the flesh is in the blood that means the life of all flesh is in the blood my life is in my blood your life is in your blood and so this is the biblical principle in the book of Leviticus that the life of all flesh is in the blood of course the blood circulates all over the body but the life Of man is in his blood. So, because so we can say this that when Adam uh, was created by God and God breathed into Adam uh, the breath of life, and so what happened when God breathed upon Adam, the life of God, the spirit of God came, we can safely say, into Adam's bloodstream. It came into Adam's blood, and because of that, Adam's blood was pure blood and it was holy blood. It was untainted by sin because it, continu- it, it, it carried within itself the life of God. So, but when Adam sinned against God, when he disobeyed God, that was his sin. It wasn't about the fruit, but it was about his disobedience, his rebellion against God. When he rebelled against God, when he sinned against God, what happened? Somebody said to me once, well, he wrote in a book that I read, he says, uh, when Adam sinned, that was the first case of blood poisoning because Adam's blood, which carried the life of God, which carried... Uh, the pure, holy uh, life of God in that blood, that blood got tainted by sin. So the blood of Adam was tainted by sin. So Adam was no longer perfect and pure and holy as he was before he fell. Now his, his blood, his life was contaminated by sin. And so what happens is that every child born through Adam, that means the entire human race all who are the progeny or the offspring of Adam carry Adam's sin in their blood because uh, when I was born when my parents came together and my mother conceived uh, it was my father's seed his blood uh, his blood uh, is what was passed on to me That is why uh, if you if you want to establish the paternity of a child, you always check the father. It has the same DNA. So what happens is that that is how sin is passed down from father to son. Uh, Sin is passed down from father to son. And so all mankind has sinned uh, because or you can say all mankind has inherited sin. And David says in sin, uh, was I born and in sin did my mother conceive me so we have all inherited the sin and it has nothing to do whether we wanted to to inherit it or not it comes through nature we who are born of Adam who carry, we also carry the Adamic nature of sin in our blood and we are all born with that blood contaminated with sin but God needed somebody who would be a man, but who would be perfect and pure and holy, uh, whose blood would be would be uncontaminated by sin, because only such a man who would be like Adam, so that's why Jesus is called the second Adam, because he was the second man on this earth. Uh, Adam was the first man to walk on this earth, whose blood was uncontaminated by sin, but His blood did get contaminated by sin when he sinned, but God wanted to send somebody else to this earth who would be like Adam, who would also have blood that is uncontaminated by sin because only for two reasons, because only somebody whose blood is uncontaminated by sin could pay for our sin. Only somebody who has no sin of his own, whose blood is pure and holy, can bear upon himself, uh, you know, the sins of other people, of all mankind. And then only somebody with pure, sinless blood could take on Satan and defeat him. So, uh, that is why we read the promise. Uh, if you, I, I'm sure you're with me Lord. you understand this. Isaiah 714 says, therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So the prophet Isaiah living 700 years before Christ, he prophesied. Can you imagine 700 years, seven centuries before Christ? He prophesied and he says, a virgin shall conceive I mean that is amazing a virgin shall shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel now the word Emmanuel means God is with us so the virgin uh, which was Mary of course um, would conceive and she would bear a son and that son's name shall be Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God with us that means that Jesus the son of Mary, when he would walk on this earth, because he would be, he is God. He will be God who is not up in the sky, up in the heaven, but he is God who is with us and who is walking with us. Hallelujah. So that is a, uh, that is a powerful, powerful truth. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he would be with us. And that is, can you imagine Jesus walking on this earth? And he is God and he's with us. He's not just in heaven speaking to us from heaven through prophets as he did in the times past. But he is on this earth and he's walking with us. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John, it says that, uh, uh, that, uh, that he was in the world and though the world was made by him, the world knew him not. That means Jesus, he came to this world and although he's the creator of all things and he walked on this earth, the world did not know him. It says he came to his own and his own received him not. His own were the people of Israel. They were his own people. He came to his own, but they did not receive him. But then he says, but as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. But we we, we will go into that later. Then we go to Luke chapter one, verses 26 to 35. So the prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years prior to this, that the Lord will give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name is Emmanuel. And it says in Luke one, verses 26 to 35, it says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly, highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So when the angel uh, came and greeted her mary was kind of she didn't know what was going on and the angel said to her fear not mary for thou hast found favor with god and behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and call his name jesus now the name jesus is the greek word yesus in, in 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 english it's jesus in the greek is yesus and in hebrew it's yeshua so but these are languages, you know, I mean, all name, uh, names like uh, William in English is Wilhelm in Swedish and in, in, in Greek, it's Vasili, but a name is a name and it's the person whose name it is. So uh, now some people insist that, you know, when you talk about Jesus, you have to say Yeshua, which I believe is nonsense because I have prayed for people not in the name of Yeshua but in the name of Jesus and they have lame people have gotten up and walked and even dead people have been raised up when I have spoken the name of Jesus so it doesn't matter which translation of the name you use because the devil knows who he who you are talking about okay the devil knows that uh, who who the person who Hebrew speakers call Yeshua or Greek the Greeks say yesus or, or or Africans say yesu or uh, uh, or, or in Arabic is yesu or Jesus in English uh, or yesus in Swedish is the same person so anyway let's get off that and says the angel he came to Mary and said behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and they see you're going to conceive and you and you shall have a son and shall call his name Jesus and, uh, and because and uh, you know and it says because the, and in another place it says name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins and then verse thirty two says and he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of thy father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man And this is what the angel said to her. It was a legitimate question. I'm not married. I'm a virgin. How shall I conceive? And then he says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And that is what John is talking about in uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 1. It says, and the word became flesh. The word that was spoken by God through Gabriel, the word that was spoken by God, it became flesh and we saw his glory. So Jesus, he was born of the spirit of God and he was born. It says the power of the highest shall overshadow thee and he was born of the word of God. And that is why uh, it says the holy thing that shall be born uh, of thee shall be called shall be called the son of God. Now, I want to pause here and explain something to you. Now, <coughs> here's the thing. You see, uh, you see when um, this, this is something scientific. OK, now, I hope I can explain it to you correctly. If you talk to a doctor, they'll be able to do a better job of it. Now, what happens, you see, when a man and a woman come together, and uh, the sperm of the man impregnates the woman and the woman becomes pregnant and the fetus is in its mother's womb. The interesting thing is that during the time when the fetus, those nine months when the fetus or the baby is in the womb of its mother, the baby, uh, the fetus receives uh, oxygen and it receives all kinds of food and nutrition, everything, it needs to be healthy and to grow through the umbilical cord. You know, there's a cord that uh, that um, how do you say? It? There's a cord from the uh, from the child's navel into the womb of the mother, and through that womb and uh, that cord, uh, the child receives nutrition. It receives oxygen. It receives uh, all its physical characteristics from its mother, but not one single drop. Of blood passes from mother to the child. Not one single drop of blood passes from mother to the child, although everything else uh, is received by the child from the mother. So, but what about the blood? The, what, about, what about the life of the child? So, a lot of the genetics that are there, um, you know, uh, it comes from the mother, but it also comes from the father. So, that's why when you do a paternity test although a child is conceived and born in the womb of the mother if you want to establish paternity who a child's father is although the child's father has no direct contact with the uh, with the fetus during its time of growth and the fetus receives all kinds of nutrition and food and 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 and, and oxygen from the mother but the genes are still there so that you you can take uh, you can establish the paternity uh, by, by, by taking blood samples from the father to the child. So now, if you look at Jesus, Jesus grew in the, in the womb of Mary. He lived there for nine months before he was born. And during that time, he received all kinds of nutrition. And you can say this, that he received his physical characteristics. He received his body. He received his flesh from Mary because of that. He was the son of man. He received his nutrition. He received his physical characteristics from his mother Mary, but he didn't receive anything. Uh, he didn't receive any of his blood from Mary. So those things of his life that come from the father, he because he didn't have a physical father, they came from the Holy Spirit. They came from uh, from the word of God because the word was spoken over his life. So Jesus, his blood was pure. It was untainted by Mary. It was untainted by Adam because Jesus was not conceived by the seed of Adam and he didn't receive any blood from Mary. So the life in his blood came from God Himself. Jesus received His blood. He received His life from God, His Father. If you if you now understand what I'm trying to explain to you, I'm sorry, I'm not a doctor, I'm a layman, but this is what happened, that if you look at Jesus, He received His physical body. He received His human char- characteristics from, uh, from Mary, but the life that was in His blood, the life that made him who he is that life in his blood uh, he received from God that's why he was the son of God he was born of God he was conceived of the word and the spirit of God so that is why he's the second Adam after Adam he was the second man to walk on this earth with pure holy uncontaminated blood and he was the son of God. He was not like you and me. We all have the blood and the genes of Adam. But Jesus did not have the genes or the blood of Adam. But he has the, had the life of God running through his veins. And his blood had the life of God. Praise God. Well, let us, let us stop here. And we will continue again tomorrow. And all this is building up towards, uh, uh, towards what happened to us when, uh, and, and how it changed our identity. But let me, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your hand upon their lives, upon their families. I ask you to bless them, to touch them, Father, to cause all things to abound in them. And may they prosper and be richly blessed and live in good health and uh, with long life and your hand upon them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and we'll see you tomorrow.